Now, if you're just joining us uh, and you haven't been paying attention, we are kind of sort of right in the middle of a series we've been doing here on Sunday morning called Fruit Matters. Um, and we're in, we, we, we're technically in week five. We've done four weeks so far. Uh, we've done a one week where we talked about just the, just the, the broad uh, spectrum of why fruit matters. What's the, what's the point of fruit? What, why does it matter? Uh, we talk about fruit matters, but why? And we, so we talked about that. And then we, we came back the next week and we, we looked at Galatians and uh, Galatians being a very pivotal book for us to use in this Fruit Matters series because Galatians shows us sort of this um, uh, important uh, 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 battle that goes on between religion and relationship and the fact that we can do things uh, through our flesh, we can do things through the Spirit, and how do we know which side is winning? And the determining factor is the fruit that's being produced by those. And if we're doing things in the flesh, we're doing things by our religious works, it's going to produce this type of fruit. But if we're doing things by the Spirit, it's going to produce that type of fruit. And then we've come back the last couple of weeks, and we've talked about love. Not just uh, L-O-V-E, the romantic love, but we talked about love. And the fact that Jesus based everything off this foundation of love. And we're probably going to continue that in two weeks. But I wanted to pause today. And I want to just remind us today, if I can, for a few moments. Not Hopefully I'm not reminding us. It's Jesus that's going to do the talking today. I want to remind us, again, what's really, what, what's driving uh, all of this right now? What, why are we talking about fruit? What's the purpose of fruit? And why does it matter to your life? Okay, so we're talking about fruit. I got to have love, joy, peace, gentleness, uh, you know, uh, self-control, all those great. Why though? What's the point of all this? And if you're if you've been around Antioch West uh, for a while now, you'll know we've said this now for years. It's one of our sayings. It's let's look at the thing under the thing. The thing is fruit, right? <clears throat> but there's a thing under the thing, and that's what we want to talk about for a few moments today, because. It's the, it's the driving force behind all this. Because if we don't, I've said this now several times. In fact, we talked about it in one of the podcasts that we did here. And you can see that if you haven't watched the podcast, you can get that podcast available here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, you can switch over to our YouTube channel, Antioch West, and you can see the Fully Equipped podcast. My wife and I talked about this in the Fully Equipped podcast, but I want to remind this on a broader spectrum. It's not just about focusing on fruit. That's a tendency we have, especially in a religious mindset, religious world, is we kind of focus on whatever the hot button topic of the day is. Okay, let's talk about fruit. Okay, let's go out and produce fruit. Fruit is the byproduct. Remember, we said this in the podcast. I've said it actually, I think, here on Sunday mornings. We're not talking about producing fruit. We're talking about having healthy trees. If I have a healthy tree, it's going to produce fruit. I don't need to worry about fruit if the tree is healthy. The only reason I have to stress about fruit is if my tree is not healthy. So again, we're talking about fruit because fruit just becomes the measurement of the things that are working in our life. To say, man, great, God is at work. How do I know that? Look at the fruit. Wow. Now, sometimes fruit doesn't come to pass immediately. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But again, it's the thing under the thing. But 
there's also a parallel to this. And that's really kind of a, a, a big, a bigger topic. But this is parallel. So we're talking about fruit, why fruit matters. We're talking about being having healthy trees. But there's a parallel road running right beside this. And I kind of want to talk about both today because I think, first of all, they're, they're kind of one in one A. They're not really separate. They're kind of the same. But by talking about both, we can kind of see two sides of the same coin, which will challenge us in our own life and also kind of see what God's doing. We can kind of get an idea what he's up to. Because this is what he's driving for. So on one standpoint, it's about having healthy trees. Remember, we talked about it when Jesus looked at the tree. It wasn't producing fruit. He wanted to cut it down. And, and, the, and the guy said, wait a minute, time out. Let's just, let's dung it and, and break up the soil and give it an, another rotation here and see if we can, we can get it to grow fruit. John 15, if I abide in you and you abide in me, every branch is going to bear fruit, right? That talks about being healthy, if we're healthy, if our if our walk with God, if our spiritual man is healthy, we're going to produce fruit. But a part of that fruit-bearing process, in parallel to that, is a term that we talk about, but I don't know how much we actually we understand it, and if we understand it, how much we're striving for it, and that is spiritual maturity. So we've got fruit-bearing and spiritual maturity. You can't really have one without the other. You can't really produce spiritual fruit. Now, we're getting to carnal fruit, fleshly fruit, whole nother subject. We could talk about that, but that's not, that's going to get a sidetrack down another rabbit trail that we probably won't come out of today. But you can't have spiritual fruit without having spiritual maturity. And you can't be spiritually mature without producing spiritual fruit. Now, here's the problem. God doesn't see these as separate things. To him, they're one and the same. The only reason I want to separate them today in, 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 in labeling them is not to say they're separate. But if you can kind of see the different sides of the process, you're going to start to see what God may be doing in your own life and recognize it. So let's step back. For a moment, I've said this now, but I'll say it again because it can't, it, it, it's, it bears repeating. The goal for you and I is not to become faithful Christians. What do I mean by faithful Christians? The goal is for us is, is not to just get us to attend church, be good people, give, and be morally uh, centered. That's not the goal here. In fact, there's going to be plenty of people that are doing every one of those things but are not going to be saved in the end. Now, I know that's a big thing to throw out there and I can I know some are going to go, "Well, well, how do you know that?" Uh, trust me, it's there. We can talk about it. Um, but I, if I again, one of those things if you start down that road, you you won't come back. But Doing obligations or spiritual or, or religious measurements. Let's call it that. What are religious measurements? Going to church, being a good person, giving. Now, is giving biblical? Yes. But there's nowhere in scripture that says if we are to be saved, we've got to go to church. 
And then, and part of this whole subject that, 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 that sort of we're unraveling here and really getting into the depth of it is, is that so much of what we do and how we think is not really based in the Bible. It's not really based in the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. It's really based on, and I'm going to kind of get a little out there for a second, but it's really based on centuries of religious rhetoric that has um, clouded and warped and perverted the original goals and intent that God had for us as believers, as Christians, as disciples. And so the hard part for a lot of us is, is to separate and to allow the Lord to begin to um, sort of a, a, a change, transform our thinking into how he sees things because so much of our thinking is, is ingrained in religious rhetoric and religious protocols and religious measurements. And if you could strip all that away, and I said to you, come on, give me, give me a top three. Almost every person's going to start at the top of the list was, the biggest thing I need to do is go to church. Now, I'm not knocking church. I'm getting to a point here. Second thing is, I need to be a good person. I got to do the do's and don't do the don'ts. And then your third may be different. It could be depending. It's a lot of us, we, our third. But I guarantee you, if, we, if, I, if I polled everybody listening right now and said, give me your top three things that you think or you thought were necessary, were the big things you needed to do, I would say probably in your top three, everybody's going to have go to church. Most people are going to have, in some way, all of us articulating it differently, but most of us are going to say something along being a good person, whether that's following the rules or by presenting ourselves in a in a, in a, in a uh, moral way, dressing in a moral way, whatever it might be. These are things that we're going to use. Now, again, I think once you get past that, the, 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 the subject gets broader and there's going to be many different probably interpretations. But I guarantee you, I would say 90% of us in our top two would have these two things. Go to church and be a good person. How you describe being a good person, whether it's, you know, moral, morally good or just you're just a good person or because you follow the rules or you don't do the bad things, that makes you good. However you describe that, that's what we strive for. The problem with that is, is there's no, there's no evidence in scripture to back that up. That is centuries of man-made Dogmas and creeds based around that, that centralization of thought. And the problem with that is, is that those two things have nothing to do with spiritual maturity and have nothing to do with bearing fruit in our life. And so you can do those two things. You can go to church. You can do the do's and don't do the don'ts and never be spiritually mature and never bear fruit. But because those are the things we have measured, you are a good person. You get a one-way ticket to heaven, and it doesn't matter. Go, you're, I mean, that's it. St. Peter's about to roll out the carpet, and you're going to go marching in. But that's nothing to do with spiritual maturity. In fact, religion is really set up to kind of devalue spiritual maturity. And, and in a lot of ways, shun the things that happen in our life to produce maturity. 
And I wish you could say that spiritual maturity or immaturity, it was a new problem. But you will find here in a minute, we're going to read a few scriptures that's going to show you this wasn't new. Spiritual maturity was something that even back in the original New Testament church in the first century, they were dealing with this lack of maturity. Because to me, spiritual maturity has a lot to do with this, with this, with with our humanity, and the fact is, in our human world, spiritual maturity really flies in the face of a fleshly-driven lifestyle. Now, let's get into it just for a second. And if we can, go with me here to uh, Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to go to the very bottom of Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to uh, read the end of Hebrews chapter 5, and actually continue over to Hebrews chapter 6. Now, side note, I've, a lot of you know this, but I always like to kind of remind us of these things, um, is that in the original scripture, there were, no, there were no verses and there were no chapters. Those were added later. And as much as they are a great benefit to us, and I mean that sincerely, because if I said to you, turn to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, you can find that in your Bible. If you go to Hebrews, you go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, chapter 5, down to verse 11, we can both be seeing the same thing. Versus, if I said to you, go to Hebrews, go about, I don't know, uh, a third of the way in, down a few lines, the, the word there starts with concerning. Well, some of you might find it quicker. Others would be like working through, I don't know, where, where, where are we at? Where? And so... Chapters and verses are great aids to assist us in uh, in studying and referencing the Bible. But I would argue with you, as much as they are an aid, they're actually in some ways also a detriment because we have a tendency to break the Bible up into these little small tweets. I never said that about the scriptures, but it seems like it, right? We're used to these one, we're used to tweets now. If you are, are any way averse with the world, you know that you know we can sum up a major catastrophe in one sentence and tweet it out, or put an alert on your phone. You know, a uh, major accident on I ninety five. That one gives you enough information to know what's going on. You don't know the full story, but you know enough. And so we are we we are we are the 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 we are a society of sound bites. We are a society where information comes to us as these small sound bites, these chunks, these little, uh, these little slivers of sentences. In fact, we have some people, part of Antioch West, that their job is to write these little sound bites for their bosses or for people in their organization. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that that mentality kind of slips into our, uh, into our, um, our study of the Bible. And, and this is huge. In fact, just for a second here, I love having a computer sometimes when we're doing this because I can look it up. Um, I don't know this answer off the top of my head. Uh, so I'll look it up real quick and it will tell me. Oh, there we go. So in the New Testament, and you can Google this with me if you don't believe me, it's right there. There are 7,957 verses. There are 23,145 verses in the Old, but there's 7,957 verses in the New Testament. Now, why is that important? It's important because of this. In fact, actually, this is really cool. There's a chart here uh, that breaks down verses. Matthew has a, 
a little a little over a thousand verses. Mark has six hundred verses. Luke has almost twelve hundred. John has a little under nine hundred. Acts is almost exactly a thousand. Rome Romans has four hundred thirty-three. First Corinthians four thirty-seven. So we're in Hebrews right now. Hebrews has three hundred three verses. That's great to know that, right? You're like, what in the world? He has lost his mind. Where are we going with this? I say this is because right now we're going to read Hebrews. And sometimes we can get the wrong interpretation because we're taking verses. It's kind of the cut and paste theology, right? Oh, I like this verse. I like that verse. Oh, I like this verse. I like that verse. We put it in a document. We create our own book. The problem is, it's like saying, oh, I like what he says. I like what she said. Oh, I like what they said. Put it all together and said, this is what everybody's saying. Not necessarily. We have to be careful in a click, uh, in a cut and paste theological uh uh, um, um, uh, uh, how would I try to say? Method. Uh, cut and paste theology is dangerous. I used to call it uh, 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 bookstore uh, theology. What I mean by that is years ago, they don't have them, they may be a few left around, maybe you know where they are, but years ago, they used to have Christian bookshops wherever you went. And so you'd go in there and on the walls, usually surrounding walls, they had all these beautiful pictures you could have for your home or just you in the front of the store would have like you know usually these knickknacks and things and almost all of them had a scripture on them and they were great scriptures right out of the bible they weren't making them up the problem is after a while we started taking these these scriptures and making whole doctrines off one scripture forgetting the context of the scripture and so i call it bookstore or bumper sticker theology because we have one verse we go well that definitely god's this is it right one of my favorite ones, I've said this before, and I'm getting to a point here. Jeremiah, there's a verse in Jeremiah we, that people love. And it talks about, I know my thoughts for you. I know my plans for you, plans to prosper and all this. We're like, oh man, this is great. God wants me to be prosperous. But we forget that that verse was written to people that were spending 70 years in exile, that a lot of them were going to die in captivity. Not exactly the kind of verse I want to give to my son or daughter on graduation. But because we like the verse, we make a theology out of the verse. Hebrews is a good example here because this is a tremendous verse, but because of the chapter having, we have a tendency to stop reading and forget that five and six are actually not separate. They're together. So let's go there for a second. That was a long introduction, by the way, in case you're wondering. Hebrews chapter five, verse 11, concerning this, we have much to say that is hard to explain since you have become hard of hearing. I love, I mean, I, I love the honesty sometimes of scripture where just straight up, you can sometimes feel the frustration of those that are writing. We have much to explain, but since you become hard of hearing. For though by now you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk rather than solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are mature, for those who, for those who are mature, for those through patience have powers of discernment that are trained to distinguish both good and evil. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 6, chapter 6, verse 1, it continues. Therefore, therefore, when we see the word therefore, we got to know why it's there and what's it for. What? Because of this, because of this lack of immaturity, because of this, you should have progressed. Therefore, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to maturity. Like, like let's grow up. That's what he's saying. Like, like let's just, we've got to grow up. 
not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward God, of instruction about washing and laying on the hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits. So there's this, in, this, this encouraging and, and imploring to let's, we've got to grow up. That's, that's 21st century language. We've got to grow up. We can't stay immature. What is immaturity in Christianity? Well, what I love about the Bible and I love how God operates is because God will speak to us on our language. So one of the easiest ways to, earn, to see spiritual maturity is to look at natural maturity. And, and, and look at the parallel of natural maturity and spiritual maturity. In fact, Paul does this quite a bit in his writings. When Paul talks about the body of Christ, he uses our natural body. Our natural body being many members joined together. He uses that terminology to um, talk about the body of Christ. Now, we use that. We go, well, I'm a finger. I'm a toe. I'm a knee. I'm a leg. I don't know. I, I don't think Paul was referencing the fact that, you know, we've got... You know, I'm a pointer finger. Well, some of you feel like a middle finger, but that's another story for another day. But, you know, you've got the, you know, I'm a foot. I'm a toe. I'm a heel. I'm an elbow. Well, I'm a chest. Well, I'm the, I'm the shoulder of the body of Christ. I'm the support for everybody. I'm the hands. I do the work. I don't think Paul was meaning literally we are the body of Christ and therefore hands, feet, elbows, toes, you know, head, shoulder, knees and toes, knees and toes. I don't think that's what he was meaning. He was trying to. To, to, to share with us a spiritual principle using a natural example. Same thing here. Let's lose a natural example to parallel spiritual principle, and that is spiritual maturity. Because when a baby is born, there are very, there's, there's, there's not a selfish creature on the planet more than a baby. Right? And it's okay when you're a baby. There are things that you can do as a baby that are actually acceptable and are cute and we all think are adorable that you can't be doing as you get older. As a baby, you can mess on yourself. You can spit up your food. You can drool out of your mouth when you're eating and everyone thinks it's adorable and cute. You're doing that when you get older. I won't even, let's just not even go there right now. Because I said it, I, I used this example a while back. But if you had come on this morning, and I would have come on, and in my right hand I was holding a bottle, and my left hand I was holding a pacifier, and I'm holding these things, and I put the pacifier in, and I take it out, and I get my bottle, you would automatically, you wouldn't take discernment, it wouldn't take any kind of knowledge, you wouldn't even need to know my name, you would go, what's wrong with that guy? Why? Are you judging me? No, you're not judging me. But you realize, wait a minute. Why is he having a, why is he using a bottle and a pacifier? He's a grown man. That's not judging. Because we know in a in in our society there are some things that are acceptable for a child to do that you can't do or shouldn't do as an adult. You should mature. Like you know what? You have the terrible twos. Right? Because a terrible two, you start having a child that you start to try to tell a child, I hate to break it to you, the world's not all about you. 
And then you see a child, like a 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old, and they're acting like a child. What do you say? Man, you're immature. You need to grow up. Or you see an adult. I know every one of you, I guarantee you, don't even, don't, don't, and don't look around at anybody in the room right now. Just keep your eyes right here. Focus. Because we don't need any other, we don't need to start a fight here. But every one of us has seen adults act like immature children. In fact, I think our world now is filled with immature adults. You see, a, 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 you can see an adult. We just, we throw, we throw temper tantrums. We just do a little more sophisticated. We call them rants. It's a temper tantrum. Or we'll just leave a review. Oh, I'll show you how you're going to treat me. One star review for you. That's like a child in some ways. Right? And that's kind of what we, that's our society. But at the core of it, what is one thing that starts to change for us as we grow out of immaturity into adult maturity. It's that change where we start to realize, wait a minute, it's not all about me. The world doesn't revolve around me. And I also have to start doing things I don't want to do, but I need to do. I start embracing the hard things. You know, you see a 22-year-old, 24-year-old, a 30-year-old who wants to sit around all day, play video games, not go to work, just sit there and, and, and with their bag of chips and their headsets on and they want to just sit there and order McDonald's off Grubhub and play video games all day and you go, wait a minute, you're not being a mature person. Why? Because this is what a child does. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I did child a thing, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, I'm not knocking playing games. I mean, they all have their place. I can't tell you now, at a 42-year-old man, I still don't play a video game every once in a while. But I don't think it would go well if that's what I did all day long. Because there's a maturity level that I can't do that anymore. That's what I did when I was a child. That's the problem I think. And this is a little, this is a personal rant for a second. Just some things that we're seeing and dealing with on a personal level, just societal but that's the problem with kids nowadays. So many kids are immature. Because why? Because they're being raised by immature parents. Parents want to act like a teenager. How can the parents want to act like a teenager and expect the teenager to grow up? In fact, sometimes in certain situations come across, the child is more, more immature than the parent. And there is, there is an epidemic of spiritual immaturity in the church today. And what is the one way I know that's the case? Because in the church today, it's all about me. It's all about me, mine. And when I'm not getting my way, I'm going to pout. Come on, you, if you ever had a child or just go, I can't, go to Walmart. Hang out at Walmart. Probably not today. Pick a day. We got to go to small group today, but you can go to afternoon or it's evening. Go to Walmart, hang out in the candy aisle, in the cookie aisle, or the cereal aisle, and watch kids go down the aisle. Because every child that goes down the cereal aisle, it, it's it's a point as a parent, we'll avoid that aisle with our kids. Now, thankfully, they're getting older and more mature. 
It's not quite the danger it used to be. But when they were younger, you go down the cereal aisle, my goodness, it was crazy. Why? Because our children, all they wanted is, I want this cereal, that cereal, this cereal, this cereal, this, 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 this. And his parents are saying, no, 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 literally. And the child goes, what? They lose their mind. Oh, God, why, why? What is wrong with you? I can't get my cocoa puffs, my fruity pebbles. It's the end of the world. Go home and fold your arms and just, what's wrong with you? I didn't get my fruity pebbles. You're like, grow up. I'm sorry you didn't get your fruity pebbles. But there's more to life than fruity pebbles. And we look at that, we understand that. But if we parallel that in the spiritual, what's wrong with you? Well, God's not answering all my prayers right now. I'm going through a lot of stuff right now. And just, it just seems like nothing's going my way right now. Or, well, I'm going through stuff and nobody's there to hold my hand. Um, excuse me? I, I thought we we're, were going to maturity. Uh, I, I gotta be honest with you. It's been a long time since my mommy had to fix my boo-boo. My boo-boo is now fixed by me. Because I'm old enough now to be able to handle fixing it. And if I need to, I know how to go to the doctor. I don't need my mommy to fix my boo-boo. Because I'm maturing. And that's the concern right now in the just in body of Christ as a whole. But in all of us is that is, is, is I look at the word of God. And I see what's expected of me. And I go, wait a minute. Hmm. God's expecting something out of me that I'm not, I'm not there yet. Because there's a maturity. Because it was said at the end of chapter 5. We read it. What did it say? It says, by now you should be teaching. Meaning, you should be giving more than receiving. Notice, what's the difference between a teacher and a student? Ooh, ready? Notice, this is not, this is Hebrews. Hebrews said, by now you should be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again. A teacher is someone that has been trained, has been taught and trained, and has gotten to the point where now they're ready to teach. But good teachers never stop learning. But good teachers don't always have to go back to get more teaching. Good teachers learn how to grow on their own so that they can be more equipped to teach the group underneath of them. This is discipleship 101. Jesus taught the disciples and trained them. And in return, they grew in spiritual maturity so they could train and teach others underneath of them. But they didn't stop growing. But it got to the point, now I know it's different, so let's go down the line, okay? Let, let's, let's go down the line. Because this group that's being talked to, because it, it, that's a hard argument to make because the initial 11, they had a different mindset than, than we do, of course, because they were with Jesus in a tangible way. But let's go for a second if we can here. We've got the group that started with Jesus and then that, the group that came after that. So let's take that second tier. The second tier was trained by that first tier group of 11. 
They were taught and trained. But it got to the point where they reached the level of maturity that they were training and teaching others underneath of them. But they didn't always have to go back to that tier because they began to have a connection with the Heavenly Father on their own. They had a spiritual maturity that when they had problems, they didn't always have to go, okay, Peter, John, what do I do about that? Was there times they did that? Absolutely. Let's go to Acts chapter 15. We have the council of Jerusalem. They came together. So we got we to gotta pray and ask God about some direction here. But it got to the point where they, when they had problems, they could go to God and say, God, show me what you're wanting to do. What, what, is, what am I supposed to do with that? Spiritual maturity starts to take place when we don't, our first reaction is not to go to someone for an answer, but to go to him for the answer. And said, by now you should be teachers. Can I ask you a question? Could you leave, could you, you, not me, could you lead somebody into a mature relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't misspeak there. I didn't say, can you bring someone to church? Can you get them committed as a Christian? No. Can you lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a mature relationship with Jesus Christ? Because the problem is you'll never leave, lead someone past the level you're at. That's why... There's need in the body of Christ for people at every level. That's why there's no retirement plan in the body of Christ. I'm not getting near as far as I thought I was going to get today. I'll give the rest to the Lord. Maybe this will come back later and do a part, another part to this. Because there's more here I want to get to, but the Lord is kind of orchestrating this in his own way. But that's why there's no retirement plan in the body of Christ. So many of you precious brothers and sisters have been around for 20, 30, 40 years. You're like, well, where's my place? We, we need you now more than ever. Because with every level of spiritual maturity, there are people at every level. And every level is growing. That's why, because you've been around for 30 years, I'm sorry, doesn't mean you stop growing. Well, I've already I've done that. I've been done. I've had my battles. No. Your race is not finished until he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Until then, you're still running, baby. There's no sideline, no cheering. You're in it. In it to win it. There's no stopping. Because if you stop and you quit, you lose. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I'm talking to somebody. You've been around for a while and you're kind of disillusioned because, you know, you're like, okay, what's my, what am I doing here? I've been doing this for 20, 30 years. Why am I doing this for 40 years? There's no place left. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There is a place for you. But the problem is you've stopped growing. Now you just want to come to church because you're tired. You're worn out. You've been doing this for so long. I've been fighting devils since you were knee high to a grasshopper. Well, guess what? The devil doesn't care. You've got to keep fighting. You've got to keep pressing. You've got to keep walking. You've got to keep believing. You've got to keep pressing. Forgetting the things that are behind me, I press towards the mark. That wasn't said by a young Paul. That was said by an older Paul. A man who had already been through the war and the trenches and been through some fights and been through some scars and carried some battle wounds. I'm telling you today, no matter what level you're in the body of Christ, you can't stop growing. Can't stop maturing. Can't stop reaching. Can't stop seeking. Can't stop saying, God, don't quit until you finish what you've started. If you're still breathing, means God's not done. Why? Because the body of Christ is about us all growing into maturity. And 
in the body of Christ, we're at different levels of maturity. And it's, some, it's always beautiful and orchestrated by God. Because we have teachers who are teaching those underneath them, that 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 are teaching. It's this cascading down, this beautiful, beautiful cascading down. In fact, in some ways, the most effective teacher to help someone new in Christ is not me. It's those of you that are still young in Christ. Why? Because the, the level of teaching there is, is more compatible. We're growing and maturing. And he says the problem is you should be teaching, but you still need to be taught. Why? Because you never matured. You still want to be taught. There's still things we're talking about you should have been passed. Take up your cross. Follow me. Deny yourself. These are things you should have known by now, but yet we're coming back and doing them again and again and again and again and again. Like, it's amazing to me. I'm going to get off on this for a second. I'm almost done here. It's amazing to me how after 30, 40 years of someone, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years of being in the body of Christ, we got to talk about offense. we got to talk about being offended. we got to talk about attitude. These are things you should have grown out of. Children get offended. Children hold grudges. Mature people start to learn how to let things go or should learn to let things go. You ever been around somebody that's always just got just something in their crawl? You go like, man, why are you being so mature about it? Man, just let it go. But no, when it comes to the body of Christ, and I love it. We talk about the end times, Russia, China, you know, all the mark of the beast, everything. This is the sign of the time. Well, you know, one of the signs of the times, according to scripture, is that many will be offended. If you, if you want to believe we're living in the last days, just look around. Offenses are everywhere. But mature people, mature spiritual people begin to move past that. I'm not beating anybody up. I'm challenging us today. Because here's why. And I'll, I was going to get to that, but we'll just skip that. We'll go here. Let's go to Ephesians. I've used this verse now many times, and I'll finish with this verse today. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, you know it, but I'll read it again. And he gave himself some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. That last verse, verse 13 Let's see if I can find it here in another translation that was in the New King James Version. I think the NIV says it. Let me see if it's correct here. I may be wrong. One of it, I think it was the NIV. Do, 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 do. Yes, thank you. Verse 13 in the NIV says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, what's happening? God gave evangelists, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do what? To teach the saints, to equip the saints so that the body of Christ will go, so that we can grow in unity and maturity. You know what? There's an epidemic in the church nowadays because nobody wants to be equipped. We want to be pampered. We want to be told how to get rid of our problems. But maturity is about learning how to walk through our problems, not avoid our problems 
Pain is a process of life. We know that, right? Children don't want to be in pain. Children hate pain. Children are devastated. As you get older, my goodness, how many of you are over the age of 40? How many days do you get up where you don't have something that hurts? And it's always something new. Today is my back. Tomorrow is my hip. Next day is my elbow. Right? You get older, pain comes a process. Not only pain in your body, but you have pain from all the things of life that are thrown at you. But there's a maturity that comes to that pain. When you want everything in your life to be perfect, everything in your life to be problem-free, pressure-free, that's an immature Christian. So the question comes down to, are you growing to maturity? Are you letting God bring you to a place of maturity? Antioch West, I'm telling you, we are on a crash course of spiritual maturity. God's not letting us be pampered and petted like we were before. Things that now seem hard, unfair. God's not changing them. He's not going to fix them. Because honestly, where he's taking you and I, we can't get there and be a part of it if we're not mature. We're really going to think we're going to be able to be a part of the end time kingdom of God with all the perils and difficulties that's going to come with that if we're immature. You think immature people are going to be able to stand in the face of danger and say, I will not recant. I will not back down because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You can, you can do whatever you want to me to my body, but you're never going to take what I believe inside. Mature people do that. Immature people like, nope, I'm out. Done. See ya. We're really going to be able to handle the end time as an immature person. We can't, we can't handle our daily problems. How are we ever going to handle the end time problems? Got to grow. Got to grow up. Sorry, got to grow up. Watching this, I have two teenagers now. I'm watching the pain in their life simply from having to grow up. Don't like it. Cross between, I want to be a kid, but I love the things that come with being an adult, but I kind of like the ideas that happen with a kid. And I don't like being, I don't like the other stuff that comes with being an adult. I like the good stuff, but the bad stuff you can keep. I like the stuff that, no, sorry, honey, you can't do that. You got to grow up. Grow up. We're not going to be able to always be there to fix your problems. You're going to have to learn how to deal with some problems on your own. You're going to have to learn how to fight through some days where you want to quit and give up. That's about being mature. You got to grow up. There are going to be days you want to get out of bed, but you got to get out of bed. There are going to be days where you don't want to go to work, but you got to go to work. There are going to be days you don't want to do these things. You got to do them. Why? Because you're maturing. You're going to have to do the things that you need to do, not the things that you want to do. You're going to have to do the things that don't feel good instead of always doing the things that do feel good. Our world is about do what feels good because we're all a bunch of immature kids. Children follow their emotions. Children go on what feels good. How often do you see a child purposely put themselves in pain? Don't do it because they do what feels good. But mature people understand that there's power in pain. There's growth in pain. Mature people do. So I go through difficulties. I don't pout and say, well, God's not fair. And this is not fair. Why am I doing this? Why am I going through this? Why does anyone care? Why is anyone, why isn't anyone there to inform? Because God's maturing you. Period. And God won't let anybody speak because he needs you to mature. He's already there. You and him have got it if you go to him. Immature people want to go to the easy route. Mature people go, okay, I got to take up my cross. Got to deny myself. Got to follow you, God. I want to follow you. Are you mature? How, how, 
One of the quickest ways to find out how you, if you're mature or not, very simple. How do you handle pain, problem, pressure, difficulties? How do you handle when things don't go your way? How do you handle the difficulties? Do you pout? Do you get mad? Do you quit? Do you rant? Or do you accept them and say, okay, God, what are you doing here? What are you teaching me? What can I learn from this? Or Lord, your grace is sufficient. Antioch West, fruit matters because fruit determines is determined by spiritual maturity. We got to grow in spiritual maturity because we need, we, we've got to have spiritual fruit, but we can't just have spiritual fruit without spiritual maturity. They go hand in hand. And I found out it's amazing to me. There are things in the last six weeks, well, actually been eight weeks, about four, four every other week. In the last eight weeks since we started this series, more of you have started going through things and frustrations and there's stuff just uh, angsting on you. I'm going to tell you why. It's God-ordained, God-driven, because he's trying to mature you. He's trying to mature you. So I'm sorry. It's time to grow up. I know that doesn't seem very loving, but it's the truth anyways. Paul said it, and Hebrew said it. Time to grow up. Time to grow up. Time to mature. Time to mature. We've got to mature. We can't be 30-year-old, 2-year-olds. We can't be around... 20, year, 20 years of walking with Jesus and still wanting our pacifiers and our diapers changed. Milk prepared for us. And don't make sure that the milk is too hot because it will hurt my tongue. No. No, give me meat. Give me meat, God. Give me the hard things that take time to chew. I got to chew on them because they're, they're, they're heavy. But I know it's what's going to make me stronger. Don't give me milk that's easy. I can just suck my little bottle. Oh, it makes me feel so good. Give me some tough meat that's going to take some time for me to chew it and work on it. It's going to have to digest it. They said something like red meat. You need to chew 22 times. I don't actually count. I don't know if you count. Something like that. Maybe wrong. It's like 22 times to chew red meat. Well, guess what? You don't need to chew milk. Just swallow it. But you see, the more substance you get in you, the more you got to chew on that. You got to work that in there because it's hard. It takes some time to have that in you. Your spirit, your flesh are at war because it's bringing strength and maturity to you. Are you mature? How are you handling what's going on in your life right now? You mad at God, mad at the world, mad at the church, mad at whoever, mad, at, mad, 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 frustrated? Or are you saying, okay, God, help me. Your grace is sufficient. How are you doing? Because God's trying to mature you. The problem is you don't have to let them do it. You can stay a child, but children don't produce fruit. Children don't produce fruit. Your body matures and goes through puberty so that you can produce fruit naturally, spiritually, Children have to go through spiritual puberty where there, where there are things that start to change so they can produce fruit. Children don't produce fruit. God's trying to mature you. Are you mature? I'm sorry. I've been around for 42 years. I've been around for 55 years. It doesn't. Maturity in God is not based on time served. Because life maturity is not based off how long you've been alive. I know a lot of 30-year-olds that are less mature than some 15-year-olds. And I know some 50-year-olds that are no more mature than they were when they were 20. So just because you've been around for a while doesn't make you spiritually mature. 
Spiritual maturity comes from allowing God to work on you, change you, and here are some measurements of spiritual maturity. God bless you. Boy, there's so much more I believe we could have got to today, but I got to trust the Lord that this is where he wants to leave it and trust it. You and him are going to work this out. You're going to pray, mix it with faith, and say, okay, God, here I am. What are you doing? Don't stop until you're finished. In Jesus' name. Why? Because fruit matters. So let's move to spiritual maturity. Because let's finish that verse, and I'll finish with this. Until we reach the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves. What are the waves? Circumstances. Life. We're not tossed back and forth. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching. By the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Man, that's what children do. Go over here. I like what this is saying. I like this guy. I like this. I like, ooh, they're saying something good. Ooh, did you see this video? Did you see this TikTok? Did you see this Instagram post? It's all good because it all make me feel good. Or by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, all the, all the things of this world. I don't care if it's right-leaning or left-leaning. It's all, it's all scheming. I don't care because it's patriotic. It's scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows, praise God, and builds up itself in love as each part does its work. That's what God is wanting for you and I and for the body of Christ.